The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Well, I trust you've had a, a good week with World Reach Week this week. Uh, I personally have been challenged by our speaker, and it's actually led to different actions in my life already, and I'm so very thankful for that. Um, I understand that there's still candy outside when you leave today. You might want to pick some of that up, and we've had some great meals this week in the cafeteria, uh, which is some, some different things that we've experienced. Uh, but I want to uh, encourage you to take the words to heart and, and to live out loud, as Kevin has, has uh, encouraged us to. So let's pray, and then we'll bring Kevin up for his third and final installment. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for bringing us here to hear these words, whether in the room or online. And Lord, I ask that you would work in our hearts, that your spirit would be our teacher, and that the words that are said would be uh, effective in changing our lives so we can be your servants in changing the, the, the world for your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. been great being with you guys this week, coming to classes, meeting with you guys for coffee, things like that. It uh, brings back a lot of memories, as you know, or at least if you were here the other day, I graduated from here about 30 years ago, and uh, my wife graduated here about 30 years ago as well, and um, it's just great being with you guys, being back. It reminds me of just all the things that happened in my life around that time and just hearing, <coughs> sorry, hearing, the, hearing that song about, you know, happy day and just thinking about when I came to Christ and just the change that happened in my life. It was about a year and a half before I came to Cairn and uh, 35 years later, I'm still learning just the significance of the change that took place and just even growing in my understanding of what that change means, which I don't think I even fully understand yet. But I can remember back, uh, it was my junior year toward the end and it was, I was in high school and um, I was in Catholic school, as you guys remember, you know, I was taking these classes, religion classes, and this was really the first time where I started to question, you know, what beliefs are about God and what I think and so forth. And um, my mother, she kind of grew up Methodist, but, you know, was kind of a nominal, you know, we went to church on Easter and Christmas, and then my dad was Catholic, and I was baptized Catholic and went to Catholic school. And so my junior year of high school, I started to really wrestle with these ideas of, you know, who God is. And was really debating, you know, why, you know, and I would debate in class, and I'd ask the teacher, why do you say this, and why did the Methodists say that, and this denomination say this, and, and that process of questioning and, and, and wrestling, it, it, it actually caused me to go home, and I started to read the Bible. Most of it was to kind of debate with the teacher, but I started to read the Bible, and each day I would come home, and I'd read a little bit more, and, and then it was getting longer and longer, and I was, in a sense, getting, like, addicted to reading the Bible. I was just couldn't wait to get home. Sorry. Couldn't wait to get home and just read. And I would go back to class and, and just wrestle through these ideas and argue with the teacher. And, and, uh, and then it finally got to a place where I started to look for people. And finally, someone shared the gospel with me, and I put my faith in Christ, and my life was changed. 
And man, I just went back to school and I was like talking to my friends about salvation and Christ alone through his grace. And I was just talking to everybody that I could about this. And it was just such a, just an intense time of my life. And it, it wasn't long before I got called to the principal's office. And they said, Kevin, you have to stop talking about what you believe. And if it continues, we're going to ask you to leave the school. Oh my gosh, what? Here I'm talking about Jesus. I'm in a Catholic school. I'm talking about Jesus, and you're going to kick me out if I keep talking about Jesus. Um, I went to the chaplain. I was like, I just have questions. And I was asking him questions. Then the head of the religion department called my house and said, Kevin offended the chaplain. I was like, I was just asking questions. And they said, well, he caught him off guard. And and, you know, I was trying not to talk about this stuff, but students were asking me, and then students would go to class and say, well, Kevin King said this, and the teacher would say, well, Kevin worships the Bible, not God. Um, now it was my senior year of high school. This was, this was literally like four months before I came to Cairn. I'd been a believer for about a year. Um, and man, like at this point, I'm like, wow, like I just want to talk to people <laughs> and share Jesus. And about like a month before I'm ready to graduate, I got called to the principal's office again. They said, Kevin, we warned you once. We told you that if you continue to talk about what you believe, we're going to ask you to leave the school and it's continued to happen. I got called in. There were like four or five priests, like five of my teachers. I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the world's going on? Um, I said, there's guys on different sports teams who have Satan written on their books, and they say they go to black mass. I said, how come you're not kicking them out? Here, I'm just talking about Jesus. You're kicking me out. And they said, uh, well, we, you know, we asked you to stop, and you're not stopping. And they were going to make a decision. Right after that meeting, um, they were going to make a decision to let me know, and my father died. And I think they felt really badly. And I, you know, I just couldn't imagine they'd kick me out a month before I was ready to graduate. So, but they did. They let me graduate. And then my coach, I used to run track and cross country. My coach came to me at the end of the year and said, hey, do you want to help coach the freshman team? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. This was right before I came to Karen that summer. And uh, so I started coaching the team. And then all the priests of the school signed a petition that I shouldn't coach there. Um, so I got called back into Father Dalton's office again. Father Dalton and I were becoming really close, spending a lot of time together. Um, but it was through this whole thing. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know if I would call that persecution. I don't know if I'd call it that. But there was some resistance and some pressure. And through this whole thing, it just became incredibly clear that Satan does not want people to hear the message of Jesus. He does not want them to hear that. And he will do anything to get us to keep our mouths closed. And this, this pressure that was happening was actually fueling the flame and the passion within me that people need to hear this. And, and that's when I said, that's really part of what, you know, led me to say, I just need to give my entire life toward seeing people know about Jesus. And, and I went to my dad, and this was before he died, and I said, Dad, I want to go to Bible college. And he's like, what? He wasn't a believer. He was a Catholic atheist, um, whatever that is. But he wasn't a believer. But, you know, he took me here, and he took me to different Bible colleges, and you know, I really am thankful for that. So I came here, and I was just so excited, as I shared on Monday. And um, I got here, and I was a little bit surprised. I thought everybody would be out sharing the gospel every day. I just didn't understand <laughs> how it all worked. And, um, but I did find that friend, Phil Carnucci, and we went to those Catholic churches, and I told you about that on Monday. Um, but it's through this whole process that God changed my life. 
And I can tell you right now, you're at a place in your life in college where the events that happen to you now will impact the direction and the values and the passions that you have for the rest of your life. So invest your time wisely. Look, I am all about investing your time and learning, but get out of the classroom and get into communities and get into people's lives and turn up your volume. God will use us powerfully in the lives of other people if we just open our mouths and if we just live out loud. And as I said before, I'm not talking about live obnoxiously. I'm talking about just living as genuine believers, loving people, saying, oh, I just know God has a plan for your life. I'm so sorry to hear that. Can I pray for you? Or how can I, can I pray that God really blesses this business? I'm just so happy you're in the community. Like if we turn up our volume, we'll be amazed at what God does. And since we've moved to New York City, we've seen that living out loud just is the pathway to share your testimony. It's the pathway to get to the gospel. To try to jump into the gospel, it's just hard unless you're just so comfortable with living out loud. And that is what we need to learn how to do in Deuteronomy 6 where it says talk about him all the time from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. One thing that I've seen in New York City over the last 20 years, and actually in ministry in general, is we've seen many, many people come to Christ, and I've found a common theme in all of them. Every single person I've seen come to Jesus Christ has done so because they heard the gospel. Every single one of them. Every, now, there may have been other factors, but ultimately they had to hear about the truth of Jesus. They heard it. They, they were told by somebody. I was told by somebody. And every person who I've seen come to Christ and grow in their walk, the reason they did is because they were told by somebody. And we need to have it as part of our life where we can look and see, oh, I've told so many people, and oh, yeah, that person, it was such a great time just sharing with this person and that person, and I've, and I've led that person to the Lord. It was just so, it was such a blessing to be a part of them coming to know Christ and their walk. This is what this is what the normal Christian life should be like. The normal Christian life should not be studying the Bible and going to be in church and that's it. The normal Christian life needs to be the fact that God is making his appeal through us. That's what he says. He's making his appeal through us. He says that we are light, that we are salt, that the very nature of our DNA should be radiating out to the world. And so that's what I want to talk about today. There's a passage. Oh, I'm sorry. This is not pulled up. There's a passage in Matthew, a famous passage about being the light. You guys all know it probably very well. And it says this. It says, you are, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now here, this is probably the most famous passage that we think of when we think about being a light to the world. And you might say, well, Kevin, you've been talking about our words, but here this actually talks about our deeds. You know, and in New York City, we talk about these Shema statements, living out loud with Shema statements, the Deuteronomy Shema. But we also talk about a Shema lifestyle, a Shema lifestyle. And really, the Shema lifestyle is what tills up the soil in other people's lives, and it's our words that plant the seeds, okay? So good works till the soil, and it's our words that plant the seeds that causes growth. 
you would look at this passage and you would think that the reality of being a light is really just about what people see. It's our actions, it's our deeds, it's our good works. But if we think that we've misunderstood the real thrust of Scripture when it calls us to be a light, actually, if you look at Scripture, it has far more to do with our words than with our actions. But our actions are incredibly important. Again, our good deeds till the soil, but our words plant the seeds. Ultimately, I want to say that our light shines through our mouths. Our light shines through our mouths. Now, I'd like to look at a few other passages that help us to understand that our light really comes through speaking. It comes through both our deeds and our speaking, but actually, Scripture says more about light coming through our words than through our deeds. Um, so let's just look at a few examples. And I think that we actually, we've gravitated toward our light being through our deeds because our good works, if we're just, if we focus on the gospel being good works, it doesn't alienate us. But once we start using the word Jesus, once we start sharing about Christ, that has the possibility of alienating us, and so we fear that, you know. Um, uh, St. Francis once, at least he was attributed to saying, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I actually think that we can actually make that a little bit more biblical, and I think if we were going to make it more in line with Scripture, it may say something like this, preach the gospel at all times, and whenever possible, use words, use words. So for sure, our life should be a testimony to the goodness of God, our life should be a testimony of His grace, but without our words, no one will come to Jesus. The words have to be there. Our light shines through our mouths. So let's look at these few passages, few other passages. Oh, there we go. I forgot it. Good deeds till the soil, our words plant the seeds. John 12. In John 12, it says this, I have come into the world as a light. Jesus is saying this, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words, but does not keep them, I will not judge that person and so forth. So here we see that Jesus calls himself a light and he talks about people following his words, if anyone hear his, hears his words. So we are a light. People hear our light through their ears. Let's look at another passage. John 5 says this, if, anyone, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is, is true. Now it starts talking about John the Baptist. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. He has testified through his words. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy that light. John was a light through his testimony. It was, the light is connected to his words, his testimony. Let's look at a couple other passages. In Acts, we see uh, Paul and Barnabas. They're, they're talking, and it says, we had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now to the, turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So these guys were called to be lights to the Gentiles. Now look what it says. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread. So Paul and Barnabas were called lights through the proclamation of the gospel and going out and preaching and spreading God's word through words. 
You see, our light shines through our mouths into people's ears. Our good deeds are important because are important they till the soil, but our, our words plant the seeds. Our words plant the seeds. One last passage in Titus. Here we have Paul. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and in hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, in which uh, now at this appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching of uh, entrusted to me. So Paul was called to bring something to light through the preaching of the word through the proclamation of God's truth. Now, I actually think, and I'm not sure about this, but I actually think the fact that the, the apostles went out to preach has a negative connotation to us because we think of preach meaning being preachy, and we think of preach meaning being obnoxious. But if it makes it a little bit easier, and I'm not suggesting in any way that we change the, the but think of preach meaning just to talk about God to talk about Jesus, to talk about what he has done and his death and resurrection. So it's through our speaking, it's through our words that God makes us a light to the, word, to the world. So our deeds are important. Our deeds are important. They till the soil, but it's our words that plant the seed. It's our words that plant the seed. Our light shines through our mouths. Now, so I came here as a freshman, went to those Catholic churches, went to that one church, and the priest said, oh, can you come? You know, I, I, if, I don't know if you were here, but the, the priest comes out and sees us talking to people, and some ladies bring, and they say, they're those guys who are talking, uh, you know, trying to talk to people about Jesus, and the priest says, what are you guys doing? Come talk to me. And then we tell them our testimony, and the priest says, wow, can you come and share with our youth group? You know, it's through words. It's through words. So that happens my freshman year. Then at the end of my freshman year, I'm, uh, you know, during my freshman year, I meet this guy, Curtis Kanegi, and he says, hey, let's go be camp counselors at a camp called Camp Hebron. And so my, uh, it, the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year, I went to be a camp counselor. And it was uh, during this summer that I met the Reverend Dr. Todd J. Williams. And um, I didn't know that he was the horse guy. You know what I mean? So I was there, and then this was my first time going down to the horse area. And uh, I walk in, and there's this guy in the stall, and I could just see his head, and I saw flashes of light coming out from the stall and this glow around his head. And I said, what is this? Who is this man? And, um, and then I couldn't believe the humility in which he introduced himself. He stood up, and I said, hi, I'm Kevin. And, and he said this. Hi, I'm Todd. Can you, can you believe it? It turns out, you know, like it turns out that he just had a flashlight and was cleaning up some manure. So I, you know, I, but, you know, I had just become a believer. Just I didn't know, but I did know that God was known for kind of introducing big things in stables and things like that. So, you know, I, you know, I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't sure, you know, but I just saw the light flashing in this guy there, and I was like, who is this man? And it was just, so we actually just called him Todd back then. Um, anyway, during the summer at camp, um, we would go to this place called The Treat. It was this ice cream place, and while I was at The Treat, there was this person working there, and I was just talking about, you know, Jesus and so forth, and we started talking more, and then 
Uh, after the person shifted, as a girl, we talked more, and she said, oh, can I bring my sister to talk to you? It turns out this person was a Jehovah Witness. Um, and so I was just talking about salvation by grace and the deity of Christ and so forth. And she said, oh, can I bring my sister to come talk to you about this? Because she knows a little bit more. I said, yeah, I'd love that. So the two sisters came, and we were talking about the gospel. And then she said, hey, well, why don't you come to our service at the Kingdom Hall? And I said, uh, because someone else can explain what we mean more. I said, okay. So I go back to the camp and I go to Ty. I said, hey, Todd, come with me. Come with me to this you know, Jehovah Witness service. And uh, actually, you'll have to ask Todd the events of this because I don't remember all the details. He actually remembers them better than I do, but he, he decided to come. So the two of us, we go to the Kingdom Hall and we're in there for the service and we're sitting in the pews and Someone at the front says this. I couldn't believe it. They opened it up and they said, would anybody like to bring a message from the Lord? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Everything inside of me is saying, Kevin, just sit down. <laughs> but I, like, how can you not? The guy in the front just said, would anybody like to bring a message from the Lord? Like, God was saying, okay, here you go. Oh, my gosh. So I got up and walked to the front and started to share the gospel. Well, it wasn't long after that that they escorted Todd and I out of the building. <laughs> Off the stage, they had a couple guys come out and say, sorry, you guys can't, you can't be up here. So, and then Todd and I, we talked with them in the back until they finally said, you guys really need to leave. Um, <laughs> but how can you not? How can you not take every opportunity? And what I want to encourage is, is to see that there's opportunities, and some may respond positively, and some may respond negatively. And look, I'm not encouraging you to go in places and get kicked out. I'm not encouraging that, you know. Um, but I'm just saying, if you don't have a passion, if, if you know that you don't have this desire and this burning to, to share the gospel with unbelievers, then pray and say, Lord, Open, open my heart to receive. Open my heart to receive. Look, the gospel has to be communicated. It has to be communica communicated. Our good words till the soil, but it's our words that plant the seeds. It says this in Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can we call on the name that we have not believed in and how can we believe in the one whom we have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? There's no way to have a picture that just living a good lifestyle is enough. It's important. It's, it paves the way. It tills the soil. But it's our words that plant the seeds. And if we will believe that the harvest is plentiful, if we will believe that, then we will go out with a different posture. And if we will believe that God calls us to praise him all day long and to talk about him from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep as we walk along the way, if we actually believe that this is God's desire, which we should because it just says it in Scripture, then we need to start incorporating this into our lives. And it's actually that it's not, it's, it's probably already there, it's just that we suppress it. 
And we need to become comfortable in our own skin. I keep saying this each time. We need to become comfortable in our own skin and go out and engage people the same way you engage your roommate and the people at church is the way you should engage people in the community. Don't be two different people. Be the same. Nobody's going to be, you know, upset about it. That's, see, there's this narrative out there that if you go out and just live out loud that you're being intolerant and not respecting people. That's, it's just not true. It's just not true. And as we do this, God will open up. God will open up opportunities. I'm not sure. I didn't share this in chapel, but I had shared this message about turning up our spiritual volume. And I, maybe I shared it with one of the classrooms. And I, I left, actually, the guy um, that I went to those Catholic churches with, his name was Phil Carnuccio. Um, he's a pastor in Pennsylvania now, and I was speaking at his church about a year and a half ago. And I gave this message about turning up our spiritual volume and living out loud and not being afraid. And I'm on my way home after that service, and Phil calls me and he says, Kev, you'll never guess what just happened. I said, what? He said, a guy just called me in my church and he said he went home after the service, and he just felt like the Spirit was saying, yeah, you need to turn up your volume. So he goes home, and his next-door neighbor is kind of picking up some sticks in his yard. And he says his next-door neighbor, you know, they don't have a fence, so their yards kind of merge together. And so the guy says, I went out, and I didn't know what else to say, so I just went out because he was kind of partially in my yard, and I said to the guy, hey, hey Joe, is there any way I can pray for you? The guy said, I never engaged this guy. He's been living next to me for 10 years. I never engaged him spiritually, never once in 10 years. So he goes out that day and says, hey, Joe, is there any way I can pray for you? And he says, all of a sudden, Joe starts breaking down and crying. And he says, yeah, you know, my marriage, it's falling apart. My kids don't speak to me. And then he says, the guy is sobbing. Just makes me sad just thinking about it. Sobbing in the yard, it makes me sad. It makes me so happy that I don't even know the guy's name who went out, that he had the incredible joy because he just decided I'm not going to be afraid anymore to go out and engage somebody and take a little bit of a risk. And God used it and opened this guy's heart. And he was able to share his testimony and share the gospel. And I can't believe that he waited 10 years, 10 years. And if we just engage people and just love them and talk about God and talk about our spiritual life and all of this stuff, it, God will just open up opportunities. It's making these Shema statements. But let me say this in terms of a little bit of a, a tip. The worst thing you can do is try to make it like everything's great, like Shema statements. Like, don't think Shema statements are always like, oh, praise the Lord, my life is always wonderful. No, be real. If you feel like you're distant from God, if you just feel like when you pray, God doesn't hear you, tell people that. Tell people that. Go to work and say, if they're like, how you doing? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I just feel like when I'm, I'm I feel so far from God right now. I feel like when I pray, God doesn't hear me. You mean you would say that? Yeah. Half the psalm says that. Says that. <laughs> God, where are you? God, how come you don't hear me? How come you won't answer? Like, the worst thing you can do in living out loud is try to act like you're like this perfect Christian and, as soon as, and you don't experience any troubles. That's the exact thing that will repel people from you. But if you go and you're just real and just say, yeah, things, you know, I'm just struggling in my faith lately or I'm just struggling in my walk with God, man. Or if you say, man, I feel like when I pray, God just doesn't hear me, I can tell you this. Probably 80% of unbelievers out there pray. 
and they feel like, man, why doesn't God hear me? And if you just say, and I just feel like sometimes when I pray, God doesn't hear me. Yeah, really? I feel that way all the time. I know, but I just, I also remind myself of what it says here in this other passage of Scripture, and I read this, and it just encouraged me to keep calling out. Like, like you, you see what I'm saying? Like, let's not play this, you know, and it, this holy, everything is wonderful, and we all know it's not, right? <laughs> we can just be real with people, you know? Man, if we do this, if we turn up the volume, we will start to see God giving us divine appointments, divine appointments. And, and what I've seen is that people who live out loud, they see these divine appointments more and more. We have a guy on one of our teams who was reaching out to West Africans, and uh, he's walking down the street, and he sees this a friend of his. So he runs up, and he says, hey, Mohammed, he grabs his shoulder. The guy turns around. It's actually not Mohammed. So he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were Muhammad. And uh, he goes, oh, no, I'm just Muhammad's friend. And they started talking. He said, what do you do? I'm a Bible teacher. And he says, oh, I just kind of teach uh, Muhammad and I talk about the Bible. Then the guy says this. He goes, oh, I have actually, I've been thinking about this lately. He unrolls a scroll. He says, I'm trying to find someone who will tell me who, about this person. And he unrolls a scroll of Isa al-Masih, Jesus. He's walking down the street with this scroll Brian thinks it's somebody else, grabs his shoulder. I mean, talk about a divine appointment. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm looking for someone to explain this person to me. I mean, these are the kind of things God does because God is still involved in the affairs of your life. The other thing, let me give you one other challenge because my time is, I just want to give you a, a, one other challenge. All through Scripture, we see that God is reaching families and friends and their, their oikos, their community, their, their households. And I know this is going to be hard because it's hard for me too. The first, the first place that God calls you to open your heart and show the light is your family. That's the first place. Now, some of you guys come, might come from families where you can talk about spiritual things all day and your parents are talking about it, and that's a huge blessing from the Lord. But some of you here might come from families where there's just a lot of fear, and if you start doing it, you're going to get a lot of backlash. And uh, I kind of come from a family, half of my family is like that. The other half came to Christ after I did, and then the other half is, is not. So I just want to encourage you to reach out to your families, that God works through families, and God works through natural oikoses, like the Roman centurion we talked about. You know, Peter came to him, and the Roman centurion had this message. So it says that he gathered his friends and family together. He gathered them all together. The gospel was proclaimed, and who got saved? All of them. All of them. So I want to challenge you that if you find somebody who's spiritually interested, do not think, oh, God wants me to bring the gospel into this person's life. Think this. Oh, God wants me to bring the gospel into this person's community and to engage their whole community and try to see the gospel taken to their whole community. We have this 10-month equip training in New York City, and we talk about finding these people of peace who will bring you into their, their whole household, their whole community. So we just had some uh, two ladies who were part of this training go out, and they're in Queens, and they had just moved about a month earlier, but one of the girls left her purse back in California, so they were in this shop uh, looking for a purse. Now, this is, talk about divine appointments. They, weren't, it, they were in the shop alone, and there was the store worker 
Now, they didn't say a word to this person. It was a guy. Um, but they were just in there shopping, and they're looking down at purses, and the guy walks up to them. They never said a word. They never were in there before. They never spoke to him before in his life. He came up to them and said this, I believe in Jesus. Really? And he said, you know, I, uh, about 15 years ago, I started to read the Bible, but I don't go to church. I've never been baptized, but I believe in Jesus, and I want my people to know about Jesus. So we had just trained them to try to get people to gather their family and friends. And so they said, well, really, well, why don't you gather your family and, and friends and we can come and, you know, do a Discovery Bible study or talk to you about the Bible and talk to you about Jesus. That weekend, it turns out he was a store owner. This is different than the Nepali guy at the nail place. This is a different story. Turns out he was the store owner of this shop. That weekend, he gathered 15 people together in his shop and they shared the gospel. And then from that group, a discovery Bible, like four different discovery Bible studies happened weekly from different people from that group who were meeting together to study the Word of God. Why did that happen? Well, people who are in the habit and consistently live out loud, God just sends, seems to bring people to them. And if you think, oh, I just don't know if I can do it, look, Look at the woman at the well. Jesus interacts with the woman at the well, and uh, Jesus tries to help her to understand that she's spiritually thirsty. She doesn't understand. He says, can you get me a drink? And she says, I can't believe you're talking to me, a woman, and you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and so forth. And, and Jesus continues this conversation back and forth. She's just not getting it. And then he, he basically says, um, she then says, I know that when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything to us, okay? Basically, then Jesus makes this statement. He says, the person you're speaking to is he. I'm the one you've been waiting for. She goes back to her village. Now, I don't know if you know this, but she's kind of like the lowest, the low life of the village. She goes back to the village in great excitement and just starts telling people about Jesus, and if you look at the end of John chapter 4, it says this. It says that many people, many people in that village believed in Jesus because of her testimony. Because of her testimony. Now, Jesus stayed a few more days and others believed and so forth. But because she lived out loud, God used her. Now, how long had this woman been a believer? 30 minutes? How many Bible courses do you think she took? None. How many evangelism classes? How many passages of Scripture event that would help her give a pre... None. She just opened her mouth, and she lived out loud, and many people believed because of her testimony. Think through your life. We all have a testimony. We all have multiple testimonies. We have testimonies of when we came to Christ, or we have testimonies of, you know, maybe you don't remember when you came to Christ, but you have a testimony of when you decided, man, I really need to get my life right before the Lord and start following Him. Or you have a testimony of when your mother died of cancer and how God brought you through that. And you have a testimony of when your brother came to the Lord, or when he got hit by a car. And you have a testimony about when your parents lost their job and you, couldn't, you didn't know how God was going to supply. We all have all kinds of testimonies. And these testimonies are used as an incredible tool by God to engage people. And the testimonies that you have, you know what? God's going to divinely orchestrate people who have a similar struggle to come right to you. 
so that you can share your testimony. You see, we have to believe that God is involved. We have to believe that God is here. We have to believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking through us. We actually have to believe everything we're here learning about. We actually have to believe it. We have to believe in prayer. We have to believe in the Holy Spirit. We have to believe that God speaks through us and, and that God heals people. In Luke 10, it says, go and heal those who are sick. And, and I've had people who come from, you know, circles where they say, oh, I'm not sure if I believe in the gift of healing. It doesn't matter. We believe in prayer, don't we? We all, we all go to churches where we pray for sick people because we believe that God can heal them. So you know what you do when you go and you meet people? One of the things I oftentimes do is I just say, oh, how's your mother or father? And they say, oh, fine. Are they, are they healthy? Oh, my mother has, you know, diabetes and she's struggling a little bit. Oh, I can pray for her. I'm going to pray that God will heal her. And I pray. I did this with a guy named Abdul. He didn't want to talk to me at first, but I just, so I didn't push anything. I just said, hey, Abdul, nice meeting you. And then the next time I walked by, I said, hey, Abdul, how you doing? I, and we talked about his family. And he said, I said, tell me about your family. And he said, oh, my mother, this. And I said, is she okay? And he said, no. And, and so I, pray, I said, can I pray for her in the name of Isa Amasi? And he said, no, I don't want you to pray in the name of Isa Amasi. I said, okay, no problem. I said, I'll, I'll just pray for her alone. So I left and I prayed for his mother. And a couple days later, I came back and I said, hey, Abdul, I just prayed for your mother. I just, just want you to know that I'm praying that God heals her of diabetes. And he was surprised. One, that I actually said that and that I remembered and I came back and I just mentioned it. I didn't spend a lot of time there, but I just said, hey, Abdul, I prayed for your mother. And then... Uh, I said, hey, I was just reading the scripture this morning, and I just remember this story. It was really impactful to me. And he wasn't really interested. So I was like, hey, Abdul, hey, it's great seeing you. I'll catch you next time. So I left, and a couple days later, I walked by, and I'm like, hey, Abdul, how you doing? We talked a little bit. I said, He's like, what's going on with you? I said, oh, I was just, uh, God's teaching me how to be more patient. I'm just struggling with my, you know, son and my wife and I got into this fight. So God is really teaching me patience. It reminds me of this passage I was just reading where it says this, and and he starts to listen. And this goes on and on and on for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months. And then Abdul, Abdul's like, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? I'm like, yeah, let's go out to dinner. And then we ended up having a Bible study, and it went on and on and on. Why? Was I doing friendship evangelism? No, because friendship evangelism says keep your mouth shut until you've earned enough trust. I was just living out loud. I was being who I was. I was being a friend whether he wanted it or not. You know what I mean? I was just being friendly, but not being afraid to live out loud. And God, God used that in his life. And God tilled the soil so that when the words came, the, the words, the seed would be planted. Our light shines through our mouths. Our good deeds till the soil. Our words plant the seeds. Lord, I pray, I pray that your spirit would, your spirit of conviction and righteousness would settle on each of our hearts and would teach us, Lord, that you are calling us to step out and to take the, the ball off, the candle, and to be a light on a hill and to not be afraid. Lord, I pray that you would encourage each person here who steps up to give them some very quick, early fruit that will encourage them to, to live even more. I pray, Lord, that you would show people divine appointments that they would come back and share testimony and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe what God did. And that would encourage more and more people here. I pray, Lord, that this would be a campus that seeks to go out in love and out with words as well. Father, we love you and we commit our time to you and we commit our lives to you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.